Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's madness, Amy. Madness, I say. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes, it is, because it is March. Yes, it is. What and a the, week. The tournament kicked off this week with a, a big Belmont win the other night. I know you were excited about that. I was And then so a Belmont excited. loss. <laughs> I was so excited, and then I was heartbroken. Yes. It was. They had a chance. They had the ball, and it, the, the pass got away from them. The yeah, The backdoor cut was there. It did, and and that's you know I saw a lot of chatter on on Twitter about this after uh, that some folks were like, "What was going on? Why did they do that?" Well, that's a play they've done before. That's a yeah. that that's a legit Belmont play, and it worked against UCLA earlier in the season. And uh, so, but Maryland just got that hand in there, got it away, and what a heartbreaking ending. So, I was I was pretty bummed. Yeah. And it, every year I kind of forget, you know, I know that the tournament is fun, but you kind of forget it until it gets there and you're like, oh man, this is like the greatest two days of the year. It's, oh, it's, it's so much fun. First, it's the, so great. The first round is the best because that's where you just get these matchups that can, that, that really come so close. So you have these tight, tight games and everyone's just fighting to stay alive. And then you, you know, you throw in sort of the upsets, you know, Murray yeah, State Murray was State, phenomenal. Murray State, oh my word. They are they are really one to watch. So it, that was great. And then uh, Wofford, that was a fun game to see last yeah. night. McGee and three. So uh, I saw Aaron Earls. That was that a was funny brilliant. tweet. That was brilliant. a funny tweet. Yeah, Wofford. Yeah, right, right there in uh, the Greenville area. Spartanburg. Um, Spartanburg. Let's be, yeah. let's be clear. Spartanburg. Okay, sorry. Just it's the Greenville area. And, and it, that includes it, Anderson and Spartanburg and Clemson it, and all it that. It is, it is. But I, I got, I, I, I got to fight for the, you know, let's give the real location. Wofford's located about, I don't know, a couple of miles, mile and a half from Converse College, my alma mater. So I actually went to a lot of Wofford basketball games back in the day. I remember back then when a friend of mine from uh, the Wofford FCA chapter that I was a part of had uh, had broken the school record for career three pointers at uh, around 250 something and so Fletcher McGee has we'll just say he's blown way way past where Seth Chadwick was yeah. back in the day well I hope our listeners are enjoying March Madness as well and they can also enjoy SBTS Madness our friends over at Southern Seminary are giving away more than 100 books from their world-renowned faculty you can visit sbts.edu slash madness to learn more and win free books from Tom Schreiner Don Whitney Greg Allison, and more. That's sbts.edu slash madness. You can also uh, check the, I think it's the SBTS admissions Twitter profile that is uh, doing the giveaways. And I've seen a lot of people tweeting about that. One of Dr. Rayner's books was up yesterday and yeah, his team fell a little bit short. He had like a 15 seed against uh, Michigan State. So it was, oh man, it was a long shot uh, yeah. for Simple Church, but Simple Church outsold the, the, the book that it was going up against. So, you know, scoreboard on that one. I guess. Very nice. Uh, yes. And, but I've seen, I, I think Greg Allison has a book in every, every round or every matchup. I, right. It was hilarious yesterday. He's quite a I writer. Saw, I saw four or five Greg Allison books and I'm like, my goodness, this guy, he's, he's like, he's like the guy that bets on everybody in the tournament so that his bet pays off at the end or whatever, or right. fills out 20 right. brackets. <laughs> right. That's Greg Allison in, in Sibbets Madness. He's, he's, he filled out 20 brackets. He, he's, uh, he, he's quite a writer. So. 
Yeah. yeah, he's got a few books in there. So check that out. It's going on. You still have time to enter and uh, try to win some books and uh, those kind of neat. So uh, those guys do that every year and it's always fun. So that'll bring us to the news, Amy, this week and some sad news uh, from my neck of the woods. Yes. Lifeway announced this week that we would be closing all 170 stores uh, nationwide. Brick and mortar retail is not what it used to be and neither is Lifeway. Yeah. This is something that if anyone is watching trends in the retail industry is not a huge surprise. I mean, we've, we're hearing the, the same news from stores like Gap, from Payless Shoes, from Sears. I even, so I didn't realize Lowe's is making some decisions like this. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so the, the brick and mortar industry is just not what it used to be because of how digital has changed everything. So yeah. retail just looks different. Than, yeah, and, than it did. And in his last chapel and also last uh, trustee announcement, whenever Dr. Rainer spoke back in February before his uh, retirement started at the end of February, he discussed that the two areas of brick and mortar retail that have declined the most were bookstores, which yes. likely is, and newsstands, which includes small gifts and cards, which is... Basically, those two areas, that's what Lifeway sells is right. gifts, cards, books, and music. And we've seen how digital music, you can't find a music store unless it's like a vinyl type place or whatever. Uh, you can't find like a music store where you go in and buy a physical CD. Everybody's buying digital music now. Right. So all right. The, the staples of what you saw 10, 15, 20 years ago at Lifeway, people are buying them different ways. And, and it's really unfortunate because the stores weren't just stores. There were ministry outposts, right? And we've had so many stories about the ministry impact that's been done in these 170 plus locations, and I think that's the thing that's you know there's obviously the loss of jobs that saddens me greatly. There's also the loss of the ministry outpost, the ministry impact at these stores, and that one hurts. Uh, but financially and business wise, the brick and mortar world has changed. Right. And Lifeway has to be a good steward of, of uh, yeah, what all they are too. doing. And, and it just shows, I mean, I, you see nostalgia comes up in some of these closings and you see it in other bookstores. When bookstores that I have loved have decided to, to close their brick and mortar stores, that's always been a struggle because of how much time I spent in bookstores as a child. We saw something last year when Toys R Us announced that they were yeah. closing all of their stores. No one was saying, hey, where am I going to get toys now? Because the truth is, most of those were people already were getting already, them somewhere else anyway. Yeah, we're already getting them from Amazon or other places. The thing that people were sad about was, oh, I remember when I was a kid and I used to go in there and walk around and do things, you know, and so it's kind of the the... Just a a change. It's a life change. Frankly, this is a lot of what I experience. It's a very similar feeling to what I experience every time I go back to Nashville because every time I go back to Nashville, another sort of part of my childhood has been torn down and replaced by something else. The world is changing around us in so many ways. This is just kind of feeding into that same experience. And so it's, I know it is really, it's really, really difficult, but it, from everything that I have seen, the folks at Lifeway have been really trying to walk through it well. Yes, I, I, absolutely. I mean, this was not an easy decision. This was not a decision that was made without trying everything possible. 
Um, I mean, it, it, the, the links that we went through to try to, re, you know, get the stores back in a financially viable position are long and, you know, very lengthy list of things that we tried. And at the end of the day, it's just one of those things where you cannot keep underwriting the brick and mortar retail area to the detriment of the rest of the company. And yeah. if Lifeway is going to survive, it's going to have to survive without brick and mortar. And, right. You know, Lifeway is bigger than just the stores. That's something that we're trying to remind people that our, our core business is really the resources that we provide for churches, not the, the yeah. actual retail uh, aspect of it. All right. So seems like things are in good hands. And so we're going to talk about this a little more uh, l- later in the show. We're going to do the rest of the news and then we're going to talk about a few more details. Yes, because we got some big news from the executive committee too, Amy. Yes, we do. They announced that on April the 2nd, there will be a called meeting in Dallas-Fort Worth of the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention to vote on a presidential candidate that with news yes. we've been waiting for for about a year. Yes, so the presidential search committee um, has confirmed a nominee, according to Chairman Mike Stone. That's the email that he sent to the full EC. Um, the nominee will be announced March 31st. So that's in, in about a week. Now, when we do our show next week, we still won't, won't have that. Uh, but as soon as we hear, as soon as Baptist Press releases it, we'll, we'll drop a tweet and we'll be watching uh, that, uh, that meeting like everybody else. Um, I have to confess one of my first thoughts when I saw this was it's a good thing they're voting on April 2nd. Yes. Because if they voted on it the day before, then the news release would have to say the EC president is blank and we, we're not kidding. This is not April Fool's. Like they would have to really They'd caveat, have to caveat that. It. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so and nobody smart. wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Very smart decision to not hold the vote on April Fool's Day. And, you know, a lot, I've seen a lot of folks talk about, you know, DFW having it in, in Dallas, Fort Worth. So this is, this is one of those things that when you're bringing this many people from all across the, the country, you don't have to have them in Nashville at the EC building. You just have to have a place where they can gather. And so, um, places like Dallas, Fort Worth or Atlanta, some of these spots that are hubs are going to be the easiest places for people to get to. And probably even with, uh, I think I had mentioned, uh, downtown Nashville at this time of year, spring breaks, bachelorette weekends, all, you know, sorts of things going on, weddings. It's probably not easy to get, uh, rooms for everybody at, a, at, at short notice. So when you're doing a special called meeting, this was the, a good hub to have that in. So. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest issue is not really the, the airport or where, you know, trying to get, cause Nashville has direct flights to almost anywhere. Right. I mean, it, it's crazy, but the, the big thing, like you mentioned, it's the hotels and the availability of an airport. We don't have a hotel at the airport where you can just get off the plane, walk over to the hotel and go right. into a ballroom and vote and go back to and get on a plane. You know, right. some people will do the same day because they're right. expecting it, you know, later in the morning. I think it starts at 11. They expect to be done by two or three or something like that. Right. Right. And so a lot of people just do same day. Right. And, but if you need a night or whatever, and, and obviously some of them will because the EC staff will have to go over there and prep for everything and things like sure. that. So, but it just makes it makes it, it, it just makes yeah. it so much more convenient to have the airport hotel where you just don't have to worry about rental Fine. cars or shuttles right. or anything like that. Right. You just fly in, walk over, and, and go into a room. Go back out. Yep. So this this meeting it will include a report from the search committee, a question and answer session with the nominee, and a, a executive committee vote on the nomination. 
It will primarily be held in executive session. That means it will not be open to the public. Um, I'm sure at least Baptist Press will be th- there in attendance. Maybe some other uh, some other journalists, state papers, possibly. Yep. Um, we will not. R- correct. Uh, we'll just we'll be watching. Unfortunately, we'll be watching yes. from afar with everyone else. But yeah. um, one of the the reason that's going to be an executive session, they'll just you know those journalists will just have to be standing outside the room, is because that's part of our bylaws. It says that the committee shall offer to the board of trustees in a meeting of the board held in executive session a nominee for the office of president. No other nominations may be offered at the meeting, and the nominee must receive a majority vote. Of the EC members present to be elected, the vote will be taken by a written ballot. So, and one of the reasons you would want to have a meeting like that in executive session would be because of that Q&A session. You know, there needs to be an opportunity for executive committee members to openly ask the candidate things and have a free discussion. And then they take the vote and then they'll come out of the room and, uh, you the know, this smoke is, will come up. The, yeah, I was about to say, this is not like the papal conclave where they're all locked in the room and then we keep watching for the smoke to come up. They'll just walk out and, and tell. It would and, be a lot more dramatic that way though. It would. It would. Maybe, maybe we should suggest that there could be some kind of signal, you know, like put a, a have different color flags that you put outside the door, things like that. Slip something under the door that that could be interesting. Um, but I don't think uh, that'll fly. I, mean. I I don't think there. I, I I think that that in the interest of, I'm always one that goes for simpler bylaws. So we there you won't go. we won't add another layer. But it is fun to imagine. Um, anyway, so then they'll come out and they'll share. And I, I know that Baptist Press will be right there on top of it, ready to uh, to tell us. And we'll all be waiting, probably watching Twitter more than yep, anything. Pretty so, much. Yeah. So that'll be exciting. And uh, it's possible to do a press conference call. I'm not sure what they're going to do with that. We'll kind of keep an eye on it and see if they send out anything. But if they do a conference call, we'll try to jump on that and maybe record some of it and get some audio for the show. Sounds good. All right. We have news for Birmingham, Amy. We're under 90 days away. The tellers have been named. For yeah. the Birmingham Convention. And, you know, as far as people that can count, these people can. Yes, they can. Uh, I guess that's I the hope. one that, I guess that's the one requirement. Uh, well, you want, you want, you, have, you want to be able to count and have integrity. Right. Right. Um, accuracy, integrity. And, and also, you know, I want to, want to point out one other thing about the tellers. It's really uh, oftentimes a thankless job. Yeah. Humility. Uh, are, that's another one. Yeah. These are folks that, you know, they're in the meeting, but then when a vote has to happen, um, they go to this room. It most likely doesn't have a window or anything. And then they sit there and what they, they sit and they count votes. A couple of years ago, when I was assistant parliamentarian, one of the votes was for Don Currents, and um, he was serving as kind of the acting registration secretary because Jim Wells was was in the hospital. And so then we had a, a we had a contested vote for registration secretary. So Don Currents could not be in the room when they were counting those votes because he was one of the names on there. So they sent me and I went and stayed in the room to kind of head be, be there during the vote. And I watched them do their work. And these, these were people that were just working very hard. They were very thorough. They were enjoying being together. Um, but they were focused. And uh, so when, so when they, when folks agree to do this, it is a great, great thing. So of, of the 8,000 Southern Baptists that they could have put in charge of that room, 
they choose the one who hates math the most to put in charge of the people who are doing the counting. My my job was not to count. Someone Thank else, you. they had a chair. I was to stand in the room because you have to have somebody there that is kind of in is witnessing the integrity of the process. Oh, so you were the moral compass of the room. I, I was the witness. Okay. We'll just say well, that, that, that that's that's a good I mean you, you fit that mold. Thank you. Yes. The head counter. Yeah, I don't know. No, I did not count one thing. So <laughs> please do not go back to that year and think, what elections are going on that year? And oh my goodness, we put it in her hands. I did not count. No. Okay. Um, I just, I was, just, I just stood there. But in standing there, I, I was a witness to the integrity of the process. And I can attest there was great integrity in that process. So these are folks that work really hard and uh, have my appreciation. So it's a, a great list. 50% are women, 45% non-Anglo, uh, some really, uh, really good folks. See a, f- a few names that I know on here, Lily Park. I see a Southeastern grad, Shaq Hardy. Yes, Shaq Hardy. Um, actually, student. I think he's still a student. Distance learning and uh, things. College of Southeastern oh, okay. grad, and he's taking some. He's taking seminary classes now. So Shaq Hardy, Chrissy and Sarah, Lily Park, Kathy Sharp, um, se- several folks that I know. Paul Freeze, Mike yeah. Freeze's dad. Yeah. yeah. So. He's, so. Yep. All right. So. That's really cool. So uh, the full list is over at Baptist Press. We'll link to that in the show notes, so you can check that out as well. All right, Amy, now we have some kind of disturbing news from Kentucky. A former employee of Highview Baptist Church in Louisville uh, was arrested after a month-long investigation uh, for a allegedly sending sexual photos and videos to an investigator posing undercover. And this ha- this happens a lot, these undercover stings yeah. where they will pose to, to try and, you know, get folks and then... Yes, it's kind of to catch a predator. Right. And uh, they have caught a predator. Nicholas James Lynch, who's 33, he'd worked as a research assistant and curriculum writer at Highview Baptist Church. That name probably rings a bell for a few people. Aaron Harvey, uh, the senior pastor, said the congregation was devastated about what happened. And as far as we know from the limited information we've received, the accusations uh, do not involve anyone else associated with Highview Baptist Church, our school, or any of our ministries. So uh, they are cooperating with police departments and investigators there in the Louisville area. And he was also a former doctoral student at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, but he was not enrolled in any courses for this academic year. Uh, and the, uh, the seminary also said that in any situation where a student is subject to criminal charges or any serious moral charge, uh, their, and their local church rescinds their affirmation, that student is withdrawn immediately until the matter is solved. So they have done that. They have withdrawn him from, uh, any involvement at Southern Seminary. And it uh, looks like everybody kind of handled this one as best possible. A tough situation, but handled well both by Highview and Southern Seminary. Yes. So these are always uh, always difficult, but uh, transparency is important. Also on the legal front, some good news for ministers. The uh, housing allowance ruling uh, has been overturned. There was a, a ruling against the housing allowance saying that it was unconstitutional, and now it has been overruled unanimously and says that it does not violate the First Amendment clause that prohibits the government from the establishment of religion. Uh, that was the the ruling in 2017, and it's kind of gone back and forth in the courts. We've seen these charges go back and forth, but finally this was thrown out. So good news for ministers. The, your housing allowance is still in effect. Yep, very good. And, and that happened in a Chicago 
area uh, district court, uh, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in Chicago. Also in Illinois, Amy, some high winds blew some of the roof off of the Illinois Baptist Building. This picture is insane. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Blew, blew into the parking lot. It was the rubber membrane of the roof along with the underlying styrofoam that serves as part of the drainage system. And uh, said they, they heard a loud popping sound just before it crashed into the parking lot. But they were all inside. Uh, but that is some crazy wind. Yes, it is. It said a gust up to 61 miles an hour at the airport in Springfield, just 10 miles from the building. So some really, really strong winds for the Midwest there. And, you know, we see that a little bit down here with some hurricanes and things like that. But 61 mile an hour straight line winds, that that's pretty substantial. And pretty obviously nuts. did some uh, did some damage there. But everybody was okay, so that's good news. Good news. All right, so I want to go back and talk about Lifeway for a few minutes. Okay. I have been, uh, I've been doing a little bit of research and started looking back because I thought, you know, folks seem to seem to to connect Lifeway with the stores. Like when they think Lifeway, they think the stores. And you you could see this on some of the social media conversation. But I I knew that you know when the Baptist Sunday School Board started, it, they didn't start by sticking a shingle out in front of a store. So I wanted to to remind myself of kind of how that whole thing started. Think about it in terms of bigger picture. And so I looked in the book Lifeway Legacy by Jimmy Draper. Have you read that book? I have. I when I started working at Lifeway, they get they would give you a copy for employee orientation. Yes. And I actually went home and read it like the next week. Um I, I read it a little bit later than that, not not yes. the next week. But I did well, read it. Oh, you know. Yeah. So I went and I found my copy of Lifeway Legacy and was looking it up. So, so first of all, you know, the, the Baptist Sunday School Board started in the, the late 1800s. Um, so had, 1891. Had, that's right. 1891. James Marion Frost, First Baptist Nashville. Yes. So it, it starts out really just supplying Sunday School literature to churches. That's it. Not doing anything else. Um, 1910 was a, a, the first time that James Marion Frost considered open it considered the idea of opening bookstores and he did not want to do it. He thought they weren't necessary and that they would compete with independent stores that were already up and running. So there were stores already in places where folks were selling literature and he wrote it seems a wiser policy and more just to 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 encourage these several houses in every possible way and foster their interest in putting out good literature and in making our people a reading people. And uh, Dr. Draper says in the book that that uh, Southern Baptists were still in a lot of rural churches. They weren't really a reading people, that some of them still their churches only meeting once a month. But as things went on, they needed more. They needed more things, not just books. They needed things like maps, class supplies, offering plates, things like that. So what they uh, first you said did, maps, and I was thinking like you know map of Tennessee. But you're talking about like like Bible maps, Bible titans, things, supply, maps, the things yes. in the back of your Bible. Right. Okay. So they needed supplies for like their churches. They're, they're traveling to Georgia and they're going by the Baptist Sunday School right. Board building right. to. So what they first did was sell books and supplies at state and associational meetings. And it went really well. So at that point, President Van Ness, who was uh, at that time in the 1920s, he started thinking that 
Sunday school board bookstores could provide a service to churches and at a profit. So that's when the brick and mortar idea really comes. But what happened at this point is there were state conventions that had bookstores, so they didn't they didn't want to infringe on that. So the board bought half interest in state convention bookstores. And so that's how they started, that these state conventions had bookstores. So then the Sunday school board comes in and sort of goes in with them. By 1928, they owned 13 stores. Okay. So, so then it becomes kind of this promising commercial enterprise and it, it, it becomes a thing. Now, at that stage, then they enlarge role as a publisher, you know, all these other departments, but it really starts in that time as, as kind of a, a, a department as a strategy. So a lot of times we, we think because Lifeway Stores has been the front door for so many of us that that is Lifeway. Um, but what we have to remember is Lifeway is a provider of, um, of services. It's a provider of resources. And the brick and mortar store was one delivery strategy that started in the twenties and was a way to get things in the hands of people. That's um, correct. So part of this whole decision has been what are the best ways to get things into the hands of the most amount of people? Um, so I thought it was interesting to think through, well, how did this start as we look at how this strategy uh, comes to a close? Now, the other thing I thought would be fun is as I watch the conversation on social media, I'm seeing a few consistent questions about it. And I thought it would be fun if we did a little interview, because if a story of this magnitude were happening in another corner of Baptist life, we would be trying to get a representative on the podcast for an interview. And we don't have to do that because I can interview you. So, yes, I just can't say anything that will get me in trouble. Like every other podcast guest that we have. So I'm, I'm not going to trap you. All right. So I have a few questions and these are clarifying okay. questions. Yes. All right. Yeah. Cause there's so, been a lot of, there's been a lot of questions and a lot of confusion. Right. We have an FAQ and right. we've linked to that as well. So yes. um, a few of these are answered there. All right. But I, I want to hear, I want to hear you, you explain this a little bit. First of all, and we've touched on this, we've explained, but I want you to give a, a clear, is this, is the entire company of Lifeway closing? No. Next question. No. Okay. I've seen that. I've seen people not understand. So we've, we've explained that a little bit in our conversation, oh, but I just trust wanted to me. get that. Note. I've had people call yes. me, text me, whatever. Uh, what does this mean for you? You out of a job? Everything's right. closing down. I'm like, no, no. Yes. Read it again, it's please. one, it's one delivery strategy. All right. Now there have been a lot of conversations about why this happened. And usually people are pointing to product standards, either Lifeway carried certain products, you know, that, that did, bothered someone. So it's because they're carrying this or be, or that they didn't carry certain products because Lifeway wouldn't carry certain things. Now they're going under from the data you have seen. Is it conceivable that either of these things have been major contributing factors to the bottom line? It's unsure, Amy, because we can, you know, argue ifs and buts for days. Right. Um, but the fact that consumer habits have changed, that's the overriding factor. These are kind of ancillary parts of that because consumers, if you look at the top Christian books that are sold out there, a lot of them aren't carried by Lifeway because of the theological parameters we put on content. Because so, we're, because we're connected with the Southern Baptist Convention, yeah, we have confessional and, boundaries. Yeah. And we need the confessional boundaries and those right. are good things to have. So, but, but the, the bigger thing is the, just the cons- 
changing consumer buying habits and what they buy and how they buy. That's an issue that we've struggled with for more than a decade, you know, and, and I think probably ever since there have been bookstores, there have been issues of why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? But, you know, at the end of the day, it's really been more about technology than right, product mix. Than anything else. All right. So here's one that comes up all the time regarding Lifeway, but I've seen it again in this conversation. So we're going to just clarify it here. Has Lifeway ever used cooperative program funds to support the stores? No. Next question. No. Lifeway does not take cooperative program funds from Southern Baptist and in um and actually Lifeway gives money to Southern Baptist causes. So yes. it, somebody uh, wrote so a book is, about that. Yeah, yes, I know. And uh so it is a it is a completely uh self-sustaining model uh when it comes to to funding strategies so it is not uh th this was not something that you know cp dollars were involved in um all right will books or bible studies that are published by lifeway be available at other brick and mortar stores like barnes and noble or will they just be available online from lifeway well many of them already are so yes. there are lifeway books bnh books in uh, barnes and nobles Books a million, uh, independent bookstores. There are a lot of bookstores out there other than Lifeway, you know, that are Christian bookstores. There's some mom and pop stores here and there. Uh, Parable has a, a group of stores, you know, that are independents, but kind of work together. There's a Mardell stores and, and then available online. I mean, pretty much any online distributor is going to have those. So right. uh, they may have more of our stuff now because we don't, we won't be holding back some of the product to, to sell strictly in. The, the life stores. Christian mm -hmm. stores. So, you know, a lot of the biggest questions we've always had is why can't we buy X at Amazon? That's because it was a Lifeway product, a proprietary product that we sold only at Lifeway. So right. now those will be opened up a little bit more. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what the product mix is going to look like going into the different channels, but right. it will be wider than it is now. Okay. So a lot of the products will be available in, in other places. Yeah. Um, Will Lifeway still have a bookstore at the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting or at conferences? Well, conferences is a case-by-case -case issue, and I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but as for the SBC, absolutely. So I confirmed that this week whenever all this went down that we will be having the thing in Birmingham. So no worries there. You'll still have the same opportunities to come and see. And, and not just because of the other books that we sell, but because it's our display area i mean like you right. have a southeastern display where you right. display what's going on in southeastern well we do the same thing with our vbs material our books our curriculum right. our church music all the things that we do that's our display area it just happens to have a big retail store in it too right um all right will gift items be available online or will lifeway be switching primarily to books and curriculum i don't know i, I don't know what the the gift mix is going to be i have no idea what the product mix is going to be on, on the website Okay, so then that leads to my next question. And uh, I didn't see this online. This is a question from me. What about yeah. the everyday hospitality line that I I don't love? know. I don't oh, know. Oh, you've Inventory, got to find so, out about that um, for me. You know, there's store closing sales going on right now from what I hear. So maybe I should, you can get a maybe discount I should stock on up. It's really good. It's really right. nice stuff. So I should go get them because I love that everyday hospitality line. Will you be revamping the website? Is this going to be a digital strategy? Uh, what's uh, what, what do we look for in the digital presence? We're always looking to improve, just like every other 
business out there, you want to improve your web presence, uh, the online presence, we're working toward an app, a digital app that you can purchase and have things shipped to you, just you know, like an Amazon app or whatever you would do. Um, and then also the the Bible area, the, the biggest area that people have asked about is, you know, I want to be able to touch and feel and, and see a Bible before I buy a Bible for somebody or before I buy a Bible for I myself. I get that. And the, two of the big thrusts that right now is to have a robust site for people to shop for a Bible. And then the other one is the the app. So those two areas, those are kind of the forefront right now from what I've understood. So those are areas we're focusing on. You know what you should do? You you need to have somebody that does, like, do you know what the unboxing videos are? Yes. They, you need to have a really good personality that does unboxing videos for you guys. Are you, you applying for this job trying to get I would like, free be, stuff so you can unbox? I would unbox? be terrible at an unboxing video. Uh, for those listening okay. who don't know, this is it's really this is really big in like the toy industry and things. But it's exactly what you think it would yeah. be. You open a box, yeah, so and take a video. Yeah, so you have a person that on like a YouTube video or something opens a box and pulls the thing out. So if you had a, an unboxing video about a Bible, they they would open it up and they would show all the different things. They would say, you know, the the leather feels really soft. They would open it up and show how it lays. They do all of these things. So that you can see it really is a thing that's come in the digital age so that, that you can watch someone. So you aren't actually getting to touch it, but a lot of the questions that you might have are getting answered by the way they're, they're doing the videos. So, um, that's, that's my unsolicited advice. I know that you've got, you've gotten a lot of unsolicited advice online. Yeah. There's been a lot of advice out there, Amy. Yeah, and I know you guys appreciate that. Um, so I'll just add my my uh, my voice to the chorus and make my one little suggestion there. Um, I don't know. I, maybe Lizette uh, Lizette Dillinger would be really good for that. I I don't know. No, she would not. She would be great it, it, I mean, at unboxing. By the, but by the time the box got to her house, it would be you know like three or four months after the product came out. Because she, she lives, lives so, so far, far away in, in Arkansas. The, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. That's that you make a fair point. It has to go like by ferry and Pony Express and all these other things to get to her. Right, right. But I could start a movement that she would be a, a fantastic unboxer. She would be wonderful. All right. Well, I we'll we'll see what the the bosses say about that. Well, thank you for the interview. This was uh the, this was good and helpful. And as you said, we ha- have a link to a Lifeway FAQs site that were done about this. So some of the nuts and bolts questions that people may have, uh, go check that out. Yeah. So that'll do it for the news this week, Amy, and bring me to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to 1980, um, March 21st. The Baptist- the year of Jonathan. Oh, is that when you were born? Yes, it was. V- very nice. Very nice. I was. Uh, I wasn't. Quite, I believe four years after you. That's correct. I wasn't quite four at this point. I would have turned four in June. But uh, this is the March twenty first issue of Baptist Press, and about halfway through the issue is a uh, headline about Southeastern. So the headline says Southeastern sets budget, votes to buy fire truck, uh, which is an interesting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> just, hold up. Yeah, it's an interesting headline. Um, Somebody got a little funny with the uh the the slush fund there right so uh anyway the a fire truck it was a story about the trustee meeting um and the uh and the the budget that was passed but 
talked about a couple of things. One is the trustees voted to purchase the fire truck for the Wake Forest Volunteer Fire Department because it's a small town. Oh, so they were giving it away. Right. But it, yeah, and it's a small town uh, and it it was not, you know, it's not like the city of Louisville, you say, where there's a, you know, a, a fire department or whatever. So they had a volunteer yeah. fire department. So as a major um, institution in the town, they were partnering In my with, mind, I'm picturing Hutch driving around campus no, no, with no, his no. head hanging out a fire truck. No, not that. They were partnering. Which would be a phenomenal, by the way. I need to Photoshop that. Partnering with the town to provide a fire truck. So I don't know if that fire truck is still around. I should ask around about that. Uh, but the interesting one was that they uh, approved the renovation of the Lee Laboratory. So this was uh, something that had been part of the master plan, and they were they were now able to do it. This was a, a building that was built in 1888, um, and, and at that time in 1980, it was unoccupied. Uh, they were planning for it to house administrative offices and provide a meeting hall. Um, which that is exactly what it what it did for those who have been on our campus. It's now um, Broyhill Hall, so we have a, a nice meeting room in there. We have a lot of dinners and and lunches in there, and then some administrative offices, media services, security, campus security, things like that. Um, but here's a little detail about that building. So it's on the National Register of Historic Buildings. It was called Lee Lab uh, from uh, LEA uh, at Wake Forest College. It was the first building on a Southern college campus designed exclusively for the study of science. And it is also the first building in the nation in which undergraduates studied biology with a microscope. Um, and I also asked a few questions uh, around here of Ryan Hutchinson because he knows a lot of great things about the history of our campus. He said it used to have like a telescope. It had the observatory thing on the top of it and uh, with a telescope, you know, coming out. And he also said that in the um, creation evolution debate back in probably around the 20s, that was a real hotbed because um, Wake Forest College held to evolutionary theory and particularly in the state of North Carolina uh, Lee Laboratory, you know, that's where a lot of those things were being taught. And so um, in some of the battles that happened, uh, that was kind of ground zero. So uh, for those who kind of have come to our campus or students and you're in Broyhill Hall, um, you're in the place where uh, the first the first college students studied with a microscope, um, first building designed exclusively for science, and we don't do any science in there now. So no, you need to bring back the vines. Yes, there were vines on the building, um, and there's a lot of, yeah, chatter about that. So bring back the vines all the way. Yes. Um, anyway, so just very interesting. Uh, I was just in Broyhill Hall earlier this week for a lecture when, interestingly enough, a particle physicist came and was sharing with our Center for Faith and Culture is a, um, a, a Christian particle physicist that was sharing what he knows from all that he's seen, intelligent design, things like that. And so it actually was a science-related lecture, but I was just in there earlier this week, and uh, they were making the plans for that building, as I enjoy it now, this week in SBC history. Very cool. I'm more interested about the fire truck than Broyhill Hall. Sorry. I'll see what I can find um, out about it. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is... Uh, mine is a podcast series that is going on from the ERLC called Better Together. It is. Uh, oh, I know somebody on that this week. Yes. Uh, well, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But it is 
the, the description of it is, it captures our desire to partner together as men and women in the church and beyond to advance the kingdom with mutual support and care. Better Together will address a wide range of topics from sexual abuse, leadership, women and work, women's ministry, and more. The goal of the podcast series is to inform and equip listeners on matters most important to women in the areas of church, home, and work. So Trillian Newbell hosts this. And uh, there have been several already. Uh, Philip Bethencourt did one on the with, did an interview on the value of women in church and ministry. Jennifer Lyle on women in leadership. Christine Hoover on training and equipping women. Lily Park, uh, who is on a faculty at Southern Seminary, and Russell Moore did an interview last week, and I got to do an interview on leadership as well. And so uh, the those were the ones we've got a lot more uh, that I think. They, they've got a lot more, I think, that will be coming. And so very excited about that. But it's a, it's a pretty cool series, and I wanted to throw that out there. All right. Very cool. All right. My resource of the week is, is going to be a rather timely one. It's the March Madness app because yes. I'm, I'm kind of out of town this week, and we've been on vacation and some other things for work. And that's basically how I've been able to watch the tournament because my hotel – get this, Amy. My hotel doesn't have TBS, TNN, True TV – any of those that the the tournament is on. That's terrible. It is. They have CBS, but you know, only one game's on there. Right. And you it's, gotta be able to switch back and forth. I know. So I have the app and I can watch it. So that's my you know, lame resource of the week, but you've gotta have the March Madness app. You it have is, to. Tis the season. Tis, Tis the, the season. season. Tis the season. So And also, um I got a lot of feedback last week, Amy, on our pie episode. Or the episode that we talked about pies. It wasn't really a pie episode. Right. But a lot of feedback last week. And uh, I, we mentioned him earlier in the show, Shaq Hardy. Yes. He's absolutely wrong about sweet potatoes. I So I said, and I, and I, I think on Twitter, he has kind of lumped me in with you in this discussion. What I have said is I like sweet potato pie. It's not my favorite. It's terrible. So I just want to go on record that... well. Too late now. Right. Because he said he said that we were hating on sweet potato pie and he's praying for us and our broken taste buds. And I didn't hate on it. I said it wasn't my favorite. Because I did. I have a lot of other favorites. And I stand by that. I, so we we but we've we've had a lot of lot of outpouring of support for our pie choices. A lot of people asking what is buttermilk pie? Right. A lot of people, you know, agreeing, disagreeing, questioning the if my uh, I'm a true American because I don't like apple pie that much. I mean, just things like that. So yeah, um, the the pie episode, Amy, it it did well. People well, like we the pies. We we should. Uh, I think we talked about this. We do a spinoff podcast about pies. If we had, this week in pie, right, right, and we make a pie and we eat a pie while we talk about it. That seems like that would that, be really bad for the sound quality. <laughs> that would be terrible. And also, probably bad for our health. Right. So. I don't know. Maybe there's a big pie. Maybe we, we won't. Maybe week. we won't do this podcast. All right. And it, it doesn't really work remotely either. It'd be a lot different if we like were in the same city, same location. Right. right. But being you know states apart. Right. Not quite the same. Right. Yes. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Again, check out the SBTS Madness over uh, on their Twitter page, the SBTS Admissions Twitter page, and and over at the website sbts.edu/madness. Uh, you can win books there, probably something from Greg Allison, since he has something in every matchup, it seems. Keep an eye out on Twitter for any breaking news, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.